Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we are live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. Yes, we are a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do from a law enforcement perspective. And we have the de-escalator, Corporal David DeGresta on the show. So thanks, Dave, for being here. Hey, also a shout-out to our sponsors, Motion DSP, GallsGunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, and we're fueled by Bang Energy. So I know you guys must be wondering what I'm drinking today. It's the Star Blast, the Star Blast from Bang. I actually like it, Dave. New flavor. Hadn't had it before. Pretty good. So uh, Yeah, it's, I, there, there's so, so many of them out there. It's kind of hard to keep track, but uh, it, it will help everyone. You drink that stuff, and you're you're running hard. So, you know, way, way to go. Um, <laughs> hey, and, it's, and when you need to talk fast. Yeah, and, and and the correction is is it's day shift with the de-escalator. Oh, not that's morning. What day shift. That's what today. That's okay. what today's show is. Day shift. With I the saw you shaking your head, and I couldn't figure that out. Okay, sorry. Yeah, got it. Got it. All right. Um, but hey, the the energy drink may not work if you want to de-escalate. Maybe I'm thinking. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you should do it before you escalate and then something else to de-escalate. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Hey, uh, a shout out Brian Burns, the free press for carrying our content. And hey, huge shout out Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media. It's a huge media outlet. You should guys should check them out sometime. And we are streaming the eight locations right now. Three of those are to Facebook pages uh, that belong to Red Voice Media. And they have about one million followers. So yeah, huge opportunity. Thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for that opportunity. Uh, guys, Great lineup for y'all as usual. And, um, you know, I started um, kind of uh, yesterday mentioning what we're going to be talking about, the kind of what the appetite. So if you guys just want to know some of the news articles we're going to be covering today, and again, this is during the uh, the lunch hour. So that 12 to 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time slot, you know, I had, uh, live on Boss Hog Radio Network. Anyhow, so the right to bear arms or disorderly conduct written by a great author. We're going to be talking about that first. Then we're going to be talking about a lot of articles involving cops fired, charged, acquitted, and sued. So we have a former police officer found guilty of failing to stop her partner. That's a very interesting story. Uh, shot in the face with a live round, critically wounded Texas officer sues a training company. We have a Kentucky Sheriff's Office that hired a former Louisville a detective who shot Brianna Taylor. We have an ex-police officer who mistook a gun for a taser and fatally shot Dante Wright. And she has been released from prison. We have a, a former deputy police chief indicted on child rape charges. That's not good. Man who held a woman in home at a knife point, shot and killed by police after attempting to stab the police canine. Wow. And then uh, body cam video shows a heroic effort by Dallas officer and his canine partner in a shooting. Yes, there's some other stuff involving Portland and Chicago and some other stuff and police helicopters. Wait to hear that one. So we'll get through as much of this stuff as we can. But uh, look, uh, go ahead and let's go ahead and get started here. The very first article, that main story, there have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. It's on police one. Ken Wallentine, one of our favorites, uh, Chief Wallentine, wrote this, the right to bear arms or disorderly conduct. It's written in the form of a question. So it, it's Peter versus um, uh, Lidge Hobbs. It's a, a court case. So Amanda Peter uh, Lidge, it's strapped on a rifle. So we have a female straps on a rifle, fixed uh, a bayonet to the end of the rifle, puts pepper spray on her belt, and then she adds a handgun and a pair of handcuffs or pairs of handcuffs, so more than one. And then she starts heading for the nearby park that's by a local ele elementary school and, uh, you know, full of young children and families. So, okay, yeah, you can kind of see this. You're scratching your heads already like, where in the world is this going to go? So she sits down. She lights up a cigarette and, and starts looking out at, at, um, at those people that are doing recreation in the park. So 
It was not, she's not unknown to the police. Uh, She's assaulted police officers, resisted arrest, and she's been a frequent subject of contact and of mental health detention proceedings on six prior occasions. So not someone you would normally consider should have a gun, right? Especially in this particular place, you know, in in this park area by an elementary school. So multiple callers, they start calling in, of course. Uh, they report concerns about her presence and her conduct. So officers get there. They talk to her. She explains that she's at the park to play Pokemon Go. And officers, they arrest her for disorderly conduct. They instruct her to um, to slowly place the rifle on the ground. She complies. The officers then confiscate the rifle, the bayonet, baton, handgun, and the gun belt. And though the officers referred uh, her for prosecution, no charges were filed. Her property was returned to her. Yes, the property, gun, and everything. A week after her arrest, uh, she sues the police officers for allegedly arresting her without probable cause. And, of course, all Leo's law enforcement officers know that you don't need just mere suspicion. You need probable cause, not absolute certainty, but you need probable cause in order to arrest somebody. And probable cause is the, uh, the best. One of my instructors in college, the best way he described it, I thought it was great. It's more than mere suspicion, less than absolute certainty. So the trial court granted qualified immunity, which means the police officers cannot be held uh, financially responsible in a civil court case. Um, So the trial court granted qualified immunity to the police officers and they dismissed the case. So she appealed. The appellate court affirmed summary judgment based on qualified immunity. uh, But why they held the officers uh, were entitled to qualified immunity is a critical point, according to our author. So the judges held that a reasonable officer uh, should have known at the time of the incident, they simply carrying a firearm in public, even with the bayonet, gun belt, restraints, public uh, pepper spray, baton, all that stuff. It did not amount to the crime of disorderly conduct. And so you guys are surprised, right? So the Wisconsin legislature amended the disorderly statute to exclude a person openly carrying a firearm or a knife from criminal liability unless there were other facts or circumstances that indicated a criminal or malicious intent. So the court carefully noted that we passed no judgment on whether the disorderly statute actually justified her arrest. However, the court held that uh, to the extent the officers misjudged whether probable cause existed to arrest her, arresting her was a reasonable decision given the Wisconsin uh, disorderly conduct statute at the time. Because the officer's conduct did not violate a clearly established law, they were entitled to the protection that was offered by qualified immunity. Uh, so anyhow, what do you do in the future is where the author's going with this. And he says, hey, um, it would be foolish to ignore someone in this situation, walking up to a school with a rifle and all these other, you know, guns slung over back, handgun, gun belt, whatever. Uh, but he said, consider the session. He said, really, basically talk with your local prosecutor, your DA, your state attorney's office about what the local ordinance and state statutes, what might apply so that if you're in the situation, you know exactly what to do without being, you know, getting jammed up. And of course, David, when I start hearing things like this, I think about that group called Florida or Florida Carry. So some people call it Florida Open Carry, but they go around Florida because we have a statute in the state of Florida that a lot of cops were not aware of. And I, I have to admit, when I was active, I was not aware of it until after some Tampa cops got jammed up. But in Florida, as you know, Dave, if you are going to or from uh, a you know camping, hunting, or fishing, you can carry a firearm. Now the 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 laws change in July the first for open carry state and for Florida, but it's been that way for many years. So they would go out, they would test law enforcement law enforcement agencies. Guys would get stopped, handcuffed, arrested, guns confiscated. They'd win lawsuits, and and you know they were trying to make the agencies aware of this stuff, and agencies didn't want to listen. So, but Corporal David, you know th- this article, I want to talk about this article because it. It goes back to a lot of um, 
other shows and, and um, articles, information that we've, we've covered in the past, as more and more of these states we have seen are passing what they're calling the constitutional carry stuff or open carry or unlicensed carry, whatever you want to describe it as each state may be a little bit individual or different depending on where you are. Um, but that's the issue is I think it's up to 27 states now have some sort of a what they're calling constitutional carry. Not that I agree with that description, but that's what they're calling. It. So with that in mind, the states, Wisconsin being one of them, when you have that sort of a law in place, it it, it puts I don't want to say the burden, but it puts the need for law enforcement to, as our friend John Newman, Chief Newman used to always say about us, is you have to be a student of the game. You have to keep up with these laws. You have to understand what they mean, and you have to understand how you can apply or not apply other statutes when you come across someone who is carrying a firearm. Because it's going to happen more and more and more now. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's simply the, the fact of the matter. Um, the things in this article that they that uh, Ken didn't touch on, that he didn't explain or didn't have the information for, was exactly what what interaction do the officers have with this person? He he just said, you know, they they went, they talked to her, she was known to them for a bunch of different reasons, and um, then they arrested her for disorderly conduct. Okay, I need more. I, I what did the officers do? What was the conversation? Did they get into the mental health aspect? He, she was known to them for six, at least six mental health um, instances or calls, either Baker acts or, you know, someone threatening to kill themselves. I mean, what were those six things? Did they have enough information to go down that road to pursue that angle of it versus just a, a, a one of those kind of catch all crap statutes? And we all know disorderly conduct. Oh, you were, you were disturbing the peace. Okay, really? That's what you're using? And I can understand it if the cops are stuck and they're kind of sitting there and you got all these families hiding in their cars at the park and they're looking at you going, you got to do something about this crazy lady with the guns. And you're sitting there going, uh, well, I, I don't know what to do. Hence, student of the game. Hence, knowing your statutes at the end of the article, as Ken Wallentine says, you've got to understand how you can manipulate the, the statutes that you have in your in your quiver to deal with situations like this. And you know, if they know this woman, and I got to tell you, I've talked people into handcuffs on many occasions where you're in a situation like this, maybe not with a gun, but like this, and you know you've got to do something with this with this individual. And you manage to push the right buttons, we'll say, to cause them to say something or do something or act in a certain way that, that you then go, mm, now you belong to me. So for police officers in these types of situations, which, as I said, are going to start happening more and more, you've got to be you've got to prepare yourself for it. You've got to know how you're going to handle it when it happens and then not be faced with this sort of stuff, you know, qualified immunity and all that. Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this. Hey, there's more to come, a lot more to come. Stick with us, guys. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software 
easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automated tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters, achieving results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction, and it's designed to work with video from any camera source. Using Motion DP's algorithms and object tracking technology, Spotlight automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, saving users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame redaction. And forensic enhancement software, uh, that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. You can actually get forensically valid evidence from low-quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products by simply going to motiondsp.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios. You know, David, uh, I can already tell where some of our listeners are going to be going with this. They're going to hear you talking about basically talking someone in the handcuffs, and they're going to start having a conniption over that. But let me just point out to our people, like, you know, we're not talking about law-abiding citizens that have their wits about them. You know, in this particular scenario, we've got a woman, a crazy woman. She's got mental issues, and that should be a prohibited person. Like David said, there's really not enough information in in this in this article. We don't know whether she's been committed before, whether she's been diagnosed, whether she's uh, technically a prohibited, or I should say maybe legally a prohibited person. Uh, but if the officer can use triggers Look, better. it's better using the trigger there in that situation in a somewhat of a controlled environment with an officer, an armed officer there, than him leaving and then someone else doing that trigger when she's loaded down for bear. Uh, so uh, so you just have to don't don't throw a fit because everything is you want officers that are thinking outside the box and doing that three dimensional thinking. You want them and you, and you need them to do that. David. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in the article, it talks, it says, um the frequent the freak a frequent subject of contacts and of mental health detention proceedings on six prior occasions <clears throat> on something like this the officers involved have to then have to slow down and say okay how are we going to deal with this you're going to have to take the time to go back into your record section and on on in modern policing with computers in the car you have access to all that stuff at, at your fingertips you can uh, search a, per- a person's name and come up with all the reports, all the paperwork that has been that has been originated. I call it paperwork, but all the contacts have been originated for this person that you're talking about. Oftentimes, you can go into the court systems, find out if there was any any uh, prosecutions of any convictions, all that sort of stuff. It takes a few minutes, but you're going to have to do that. And with that information, then then you can reapproach this person and say, "Listen, this isn't going today." we need to go back and sit down at your house and have a talk. And if they say, I'm not going to, and you, then you can at least have information that you can articulate to into into another report, to a court, to whatever to say, this is why I did this thing. But without that, you're, you're spinning your wheels. And I said, disturbing the peace and stuff like that. Those are junk charges. It's, it's garbage charges. And and your, your articulation for those sort of things have to be, I mean, so involved to convince a prosecutor, as you saw, they didn't charge her to convince a prosecutor to go forward with, with, with a case, especially with the laws that are coming into effect, having to do with yeah. um, unrestricted carry. So, or less restricted carry, let me put it that way. So that, that's all student of the game, people student of the game. Yeah. So right thing happened. Uh, yeah, definitely don't want anything bad to happen on your watch. And so even though, yeah, she got the guns back in, but she got out of that situation 
added the potential of something really bad happening. Uh, wow. Yeah. So good, 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 good story. A little complicated, maybe for some of the, for some people that aren't that aren't used to this, but uh, but no, it's good. It's good to cover it. So look, moving along here, uh, let's go to the update section. And look, we'll go through as many of these um, as I think we'll be able to cover all these actually, because the next stories that we're going to be talking about have got a video component, and we'll describe in great detail what's going on in that. But these are uh, cops that have been fired, charged, acquitted, and sued. It's kind of like a catch-all category. Uh, there's going to be some kind of litigation or something involving. Uh, these stories, or we've covered them before, their updates. So, Police Tribune, uh, Law Office, or law, LeoAffairs.com, and Police One are the sources for these. So, we have a foreign police officer found guilty of failing to stop her partner. So, yeah, so we're we're headed we're headed there now. So, uh, look, an uh, Arapahoe County jury found a former Aurora police officer guilty of a misdemeanor Friday for failing to stop another officer from pistol whipping and choking an unarmed man. Officer Francine Martinez was convicted of failure to intervene. It's She's the first law enforcement officer to be convicted by a jury of the charge created under the landmark police accountability bill that was passed after uh, the 2020 George Floyd protests. So Officer Martinez did not stop fellow former officer, <laughs> former officer uh, John uh, Halbert uh, from beating Kyle Vinson with his duty pistol, choking him and threatening to kill him, even though the man, according to the article, never attempted to hurt or threaten the officer. Kind of scratched my head on how that happened, but Martinez, uh, or, or female, or Martinez was fired from the police department and Halbert uh, ended up resigning. So again, um, Martinez is the female uh, that ended up getting, you know, disciplined for this. And uh, Halbert is the, uh, is the guy that was, you know, that she didn't stop. So, uh, so Martinez was fired after this investigation. Halbert ended up resigning. I'm suspecting Lou of being fired. So, um, any, if there's no commentary on that, I'll jump to the next one. But you are going to start to see more and more officers being held to a standard than where they're expected, right or wrong, to step in. Or in the case of uh, George Floyd and uh, Derek Chauvin, they wanted rookie officers to step in and do something involving the senior officer. And if you read the book by Liz Collin, which is a panelist, Bob, Lieutenant Bob Cole's wife, he was doing exactly what he had been trained to do by the Minneapolis Police Department, and the position that he was at on George Floyd is the exact same position in the diagram in the manual that they took offline during the trial. Corporal David, yeah, the, like you said, these things are going to start showing up more and more. And as as a police officer in a jurisdiction that has one of these laws on the books, um, you need to do something. You need to try to do at least try to do something. Say something you know, try to intervene in some way, especially the way this, this one particular one is being described. Yeah. You got to do something. You got to, you got to try to do something. All right. Thanks corporal. All right. So moving along for our next one here, let's see, we've got shot in the face with a live round critically wounded Texas officer sues training company. So uh, we're in a uh, Sansom park, Texas, and uh, this police officer uh, for the uh, it's, S-A-N-S-O-M, so Sansom Park police officer uh, was shot in the face during a training exercise that happened back in November, and the officer is suing the company that held the training. So listen to how this goes down. So this police officer, Lena Mino, <laughs> i tell you the names, man, are tough on this article. Lena Mino is suing the Texas police trainers, and that's the name of a group um, that does the training. Its CEO uh, and owner are also being sued, Janice Washington. So Mino... And uh, so this is the police officer was in critical condition after she was accidentally shot in her left eye by a law enforcement officer who was another student 
at the training exercise at David uh, K. Sellers Elementary School in Forest Hill, and this happened on November the 5th. Um, the student carried a live firearm loaded with real ammunition into the training area, the lawsuit states, and the student shot Lena during a training session with live, with a live firearm. Wow. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, David, I think it's time to talk about Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo. And look, our listeners are probably familiar with Gauls. You know, they're the uh, country's leading uniform, clothing, equipment, and gear provider for law enforcement. They have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty belts and tactical gear. And David, as Captain Bartlett always says, they pretty much have everything but guns and ammunition. So uh, I know you're a big fan of Gauls, uh, David, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. I'm just looking at their website now. They've got They've always got something going on with specials and sales and and good things on shipping and um, everything from, I mean, eye protection, Wiley X eye protection, great stuff to wear on the street during day shift with de-escalator, um, all the uniforms, all that sort of stuff. It's it's a great company, everything but guns and bullets. Yeah. So, hey, guys, uh, also gift, they have gift cards. So, look, family, friend, and loved one involved in law enforcement, go to galls.com slash Leo, get a gift card. Uniforms uh, for your agency, guys, one-stop shop, goals.com slash Leo. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, mymedicare.live. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So look, we left off. We're in Texas, and we're at the uh, Sansom Park Police Department. We have Officer Lena Mino. She lost her left eye after being mistakenly shot by a fellow student who brought a live firearm into an active shooter training course. Wow, so... Just to kind of give you guys more information on how this thing goes down and how this could possibly go down, especially since, you know, we talk about this, David, what, maybe not every week, but I'd say almost every month. So uh, she was in critical condition after she was accidentally shot in her left eye by another law enforcement officer at this uh, David K. Sellers Elementary School in Forest Hill on November the 5th. So the student carried a live firearm loaded with real ammunition into the training area, according to the lawsuit. The student shot Lena during the training session with a live firearm. So Texas police trainers, and that's the group, allowed a real gun with live ammunition into its active shooter training course, the lawsuit claims. The Texas police trainers holding itself out as a one-stop shop that helps ensure our law enforcement community um, are highly is highly trained. Um, they violated the most basic safety rules that led to Lena's permanent eye loss and brain injury. So this is all according to the article. Uh, the bullet entered Mina's left eye, exited above her left ear. She had to undergo brain surgery to remove the bullet fragments, suffered from the permanent loss of her left eye and brain injury from the bullet traveling through her brain and out her skull, the lawsuit states. Officials said the participants in the training scenario that they were actually playing the parts of an active shooter and of officers responding to an active shooter call. Mina participated as an actor in the active shooter training course conducted by TPD, and that, that's the, you know, the outfit. So the suit argues that the company and that Washington, uh, the CEO, were negligent for failing to ensure all who attended the active shooter training course were unarmed. And she's seeking only a million dollars in damages, injuries, and health care and medical expenses. But I was surprised to see the price point of the lawsuit was a million bucks. So Deputy Paul uh, Gaumond, a reserve 
a deputy constable for the Johnson County Constable Precinct 2 office. He served as the instructor for the exercise at the school, and he's been placed on administrative leave during the investigation. Wow. Corporal David, and I, know, I know you're going to have I, something to say on this one. Wow. God, I, poor, poor Brett just had another heart attack wherever he is. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the yes, we talk about this a lot. Yes, and there's absolutely no excuse. But now you now the the unique thing about this is, is you have an organization, a business that is uh, soliciting police departments, probably a smaller police department that doesn't have the personnel and perhaps not the ability to put on this type of a training class. So now you have an, you have people that are creating these organizations and going into these into these smaller agencies and putting on these classes for them. So liability, does anybody hear the word liability? I mean, my goodness, people, the, the abject failure of safety protocols and these types of things is just mind boggling. And just write the check, just write the check. That's all, as Randy yeah. would say, write the check. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, look, and, and, and look, and in all seriousness, I mean, look, the, you know, people have companies. I, I, I don't know, look, I know there's a liability issue here and that's like over my head and for courts to decide, uh, but you've got a lot of, look, you need the training. And look, this agency, you know, they can't be, you know, the agency head can't be there to make sure it's done right all over the country or every time they're doing it. But you have to trust your instructors and you have to have, you know, have a good vetting process for your instructors. So I hope they hold the instructor accountable. Uh, if it's the instructor, if they determine that, it, 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 you know, it was his fault. You know, the company, I look, I know they may cut a check in the owner stuff, but I, I have a hard time faulting them when you can only be, so, you can only be responsible to a point. You know what I'm saying? I mean, your instructor, yeah, look, look. That's liability. That's corporate liability. Yeah. And, I, and I have a feeling, and again, just reading the article, I have a feeling that the the organization or that company is probably um, a regional company in Texas that saw a niche that they could that they could address or they could fulfill. And that was a small agency. I think um, one of our uh, Troy Scott said, "Yeah, Samson Parks near Fort Worth. I think small police department." They, they, there's a niche there. It's 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 a, a great find for for a company to come in and say, Hey, we can offer this training to you yeah. and it will save you money, save you time, save you personnel, keep people on the street, all that sort of stuff that, that agencies have to deal with. And we'll offer this training. We'll set it up over here. Give us a spot. We'll do it. And you can just send your people through. We'll be here waiting for them. Beautiful. All, all positives, but that does not relieve you of the liability of running the organization. Right. I don't give a crap where you are making sure that those safety protocols are in place. I have a feeling it's a regional company could be wrong, but I have a feeling. Yeah. So, it, I mean, and, and again, you're as, as, as here, you're only as strong as your weakest instructor, you know, and stuff like this. So it, it it's sad. I hate to see a, a, what could be a good company tarnished because of the acts of maybe a, a, a one incompetent instructor. We'll see what happens, but, uh, but thanks corporal. Look, uh, Leah, we still, we still have some more, unfortunately, it's just the, this is the, uh, the section that we hope that we don't have a lot to talk about, but we still have some more stuff here. So we have a, uh, Kentucky Sheriff's Office coming up next. So the Sheriff's Office hires the former Louisville detective who shot Breonna Taylor. So we're in uh, Carrollton, Kentucky. The Carrollton uh, County Sheriff's Office on Thursday hired one of the former Louisville police officers who fatally shot 26-year-old Breonna Taylor during a drug raid at her apartment in 2020. And so it was the Attorney General Daniel Cameron announced in September, I guess, I guess announced on September, that the Special Prosecutor's investigation, they determined that the Louisville Metro, Metropolitan Police Department 
Detective Miles Gross, uh, Crossgrove was actually justified when he and the other officers returned fire in Taylor's apartment after a boyfriend shot at them during the raid that happened on March the 13th. So even though the officer may have lost his job, you know, they were cleared. Cameron said that a grand jury declined to indict any of the officers who shot Taylor. Um, but anyhow, he got terminated uh, by his agency and the court upheld his termination, but the Kentucky Law Enforcement Council voted not to revoke his certification. So anyhow, that's where Carroll County Sheriff's Office comes in. Chief Deputy Robert Miller confirmed that the law enforcement agency had hired uh, the former uh, Louisville officer, and that was in WHAS. So Chief Deputy Miller, and listen, listen, listen they're really standing by him, said uh, Deputy Miles uh, Cosgrove had been sworn in on April the 20th, was already in active duty um, deputy in the county, according to the WLKY, a small group of re residents, they showed up and they started protesting. But the chief the deputy said that that demonstration was expected. There will be opinions on both sides of the equation, uh, but that had not deterred the sheriff's office from hiring the veteran law enforcement officer. And listen to the why. He said that, uh, well, he was executing a warrant as ordered by the agency, not involved in planning the raid that resulted in Taylor's death. The chief deputy said that Cosgrove uh, was hired based on the long-term experience that he had as an officer, his technical skills, and that was a huge bonus for a small county sheriff's department. And I get it, you know, they uh, they struck gold maybe when they got when they got this guy. You know, it's just an unfortunate situation he was involved with. But uh, but hey, so if there's no comments, I'll move on to our next one, which I think it might be our last one. Oh, David, go ahead. Good, no, good for him. Good for him. It, it, it was it, that's right, right straight down the line. Everything about it. Um, that, that you get shot at, you're going to shoot back. You want to talk about policy? Okay. You know, your target's not acquired, whatever, all the policy crap, run down that road. But other than that, good for him. Good deal. So, yeah, I love success stories. So we have a ex-cop who mistook a gun for a taser, fatally shot Dante Wright, released from prison. So we're all familiar with the story. Uh, so this uh, former Brooklyn uh, Center police officer uh, who shot Dante Wright, uh, she mistook her gun for the taser. It's Officer Kim Potter. She's 50 years old. She served 16 months um, in the correctional facility, according to Fox News. She was released from prison early on Monday uh, without uh, right family members or protesters being present. They kind of had to like orchestrate that because they were worried about you know threats to her life and stuff. So the commissioner uh, directed that she be released at four o'clock in the morning. So they did a pre-dawn release. But the 26-year uh, law enforcement veteran, she's now going to serve another eight months on supervised release. And uh, it says that the judge sentenced her to 24 months in February of 2022. She was mandated to serve at least two-thirds of her sentence behind bars and was given credit for 58 days already served. And uh, now she's going to be, you know, doing the rest of it. So um, commentary, Dave? Nah. That, that, All right. Old news. Videos. Videos, my man. All right. So, well, look, last one. We have a... Uh, former uh, deputy police chief indicted on child rape charges. We'll have links to the article. I hate to talk too much about this because, you know, it's it's he hasn't been convicted. It's a 30 year veteran of the uh, uh, Hopkinton Police Department indicted on these charges. And uh, the former deputy uh, was indicted by a grand jury of three charges of rape of a child in connection with assaulting a student. Uh, but it was like a long time. It was like back in 2004, 2005. The victim was 15 years old at the time. I just. In my experience in, in doing these kinds of investigations, you're dealing so this happened so long ago. Um, allegedly, you start allegedly and uh, you start. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, you know, but, you know, you ask someone what they did 20 and 30 years ago or how they defend themselves or, or you know, it just it, it complicates things. And 
I'm telling you, people are willing to lie. Children, I've had I've had girls make up stories about guys saying that they were raped and stuff. I mean, uh, because they didn't want to get in trouble for this and that. I mean, it goes on and on. So I I I I touch this with kid gloves because I don't know if it's true or not. So yeah, it's alleged. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I uh, hopefully uh, this guy will get. Uh, hopefully he didn't do it and he'll be vindicated. So um, I know we're getting close to a. Uh, to another break here, and then we're going to be covering some stories with the video components. So stick with us, guys. It's about to get really, uh, really interesting, especially with the de-escalator commercial break. We'll be right back. Okay, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company to offer a step-by-step program where they take you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, competent, and accurate uh, certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy in their training. It's approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leo's law enforcement officers need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar, and you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at absolutely no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. You'll be very glad that you did. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Florida. And so if we are done with the commentary on the last section, hey, let's go to a couple of stories that have a video component. And again, for our podcast and radio listeners, we'll be describing in great detail what's going on so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Wow, this first one, and look, David handpicked these in the order that we're going in. So I uh, appreciate it, Dave. On Rumble, yeah, no pressure. Yeah, he's, uh, these are good. So at, on Rumble.com, I think it's the best law enforcement video channel out there called This Is Butter, and it's at Rumble.com. We have a man who held a woman in a home at night point. Shot and killed by an officer after attempting to stab the police canine. So, yes, there's a, uh, a video component of this with a, uh, a slow-mo freeze frame on this and because uh, you just might miss it unless you watch that part. So this man, Bailey, shot by police on Wednesday when police said the man attempted to stab a Jacksonville Sheriff's Office canine, ending an hours-long SWAT standoff on the south side. So Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters, he said around... 12.37 in the morning, police were first called to a burglary with a potential kidnapping at a home near Patton Park. So patrol officers, they go to the door and no one responds, according to Chief uh, Alan Parker. So police contacted a friend who calls 911 on the woman's behalf. After receiving a text from her, the officer found that the woman was being held in the master bedroom at the back of the house by a man. And it was uh, Malvi Anthony Kamenko, and he's armed with a knife. So the woman had been threatened by the man many times before with a knife and with a gun. So Chief Parker said that he's not certain of the relationship between the man and the woman, but that she had tried to eliminate the relationship and that um, the guy had found ways to re-engage her. So several months ago, the woman had moved away in secret, so the man did not know how to find her. But Chief Parker said that somehow he got into her Gmail account and was able to find conversations between her and her realtor that documented that she was renting the home. So it sounds, it reminds me of that of that Sleeping with the Enemy movie with Julia Roberts, you know, that my wife is hooked on, you know. Uh, it, it just it just 
flashbacks from that movie. So the um, woman was able to communicate with the officers through her friend via the text, and they were able to convince her to escape the house through the master bedroom window or the, or the bathroom window. So once she gets out of the house, the officers, they talk to her, find out the guy inside. Uh, he, he got into the roll-up garage door. The man then kicks in the door. For, he kicked in the, do- the uh, door from the garage that led into the home, and then the incident started from there. So the officers, they get the woman to safety, try to make contact with the guy, comes to the door. He's still got the knife in his hand. He throws some objects at the officers, goes back inside. So then they want SWAT to get there. The negotiators arrive. So now it's like 5 o'clock in the morning, so it's been almost five hours. So after hours of negotiations, the man comes out the back of the house. He's still got the knife. He does not comply with commands, so they use less lethal 40-millimeter rounds, ineffective. Suspect runs to the backyard of the neighbor's house, and uh, he comes around the corner, sees SWAT, doubles back, and that's uh, when he goes into another neighbor's yard and attempts to get into a fenced-in area. And so that's when the SWAT team deploys the canine, and the man is holding the canine back with his left hand, and he raises the knife in an apparent attempt to stab the dog, man, we got these guys were like, man, no hesitation. So the officers were well within the reactionary gap. According to the chief, they engaged fire, uh, fire the rifle, and the suspect did not survive the injuries from the uh, rifle from the SWAT team. Beautiful thing, actually. David? Not, not from that range anyways, uh, 10 or 15 feet. Um, you know, this. I, I like Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. They, these guys do a good job up there most of the time, but this, the, the video just, just kind of came across as being, hey, we got a guy trapped in a house with a knife. Let's bring all the toys out and play for a little while. We haven't run the the the, the armored bobcat or the or the hellcat. <laughs> a couple, of, you know. Let's run these around the neighborhood and just you know let everybody know we're here. It it was one of those um, guy with a knife in the house. I, I'm grabbing another guy and we're going in and getting him. I, I'm not calling SWAT. But that aside, for the most part, you know, great operation. The thing that caused me to grip my teeth was these this damn canine guy. God, yeah. I want to slap these guys sometime. You've got a guy with a knife. He releases the canine on him. And then he and, and he he releases his canine and then stops and stands still, doesn't move. As the as the other SWAT guys are, are advancing, as he stands in the street screaming at the other at the at the SWAT officers to to not let the guy stab his dog. Okay, wait, what? You released your dog on this guy, and now you're screaming at someone else to shoot him to stop him from stabbing the canine. You're a moron. You should be removed from the canine uh, job because you obviously have no concept of how to use the dog properly in those circumstances. That just hacks me off to no end when, when I see these canine guys doing this because they get so caught up in the, in the need for their dog to get a, an apprehension, a bite, whatever you want to call it, that they, they they lose focus on on what they're doing, what the circumstance is, what the danger that they're sending that dog into knowingly. And I, maybe not knowingly. It's, I, like I said, this guy was just, he, he was just, that was a stupid deployment of a, of a canine dog, another deployment. And if I'm, if I'm, if it, up to me, he's, he's, yeah, he's done. He's done with canine. But other yeah, than I that, the-, the SWAT guys did did a fine job. He they motored in there and put the guy down from close range before he could harm another officer, yeah. the canine, which is what that dog is, another officer. That just hacks me off badly. Sorry. I'm glad you that you said that last part, Dave, because civilians listening to our show may not understand uh, the the 
high placement of a police canine, how they're considered to be, in fact, and treated as a police officer. And, and you know, you've got a deadly force situation where the guy's got a, a knife or gun, a pipe, doesn't necessarily matter. It's a lethal force, the deadly force situation that you're sending another police officer, this albeit a canine, into. Uh, would I rather something happen to a canine than a police officer, than a, than a human police officer? Sure. But they're not, they're not, but they're not, they're not expendable. I mean, they're not, you, you yeah, can't yeah. treat a canine partner as expendable. Yeah. I, I have, when I saw that go down like that, I, I saw, you know, the body cam you're watching of the shooting. It's not from the canine officer. It's from a guy that was actually behind him when he released the dog. That guy ran past the canine handler that released the dog as David knows. And, and I was somewhat puzzled because yeah, if it, if it was my canine, which would be my partner, I, well, I can't. It's hard to justify the release in a situation like that when you've when you've got a gun. That's that that that's when you use lethal in a situation like that if if you have to. Not not your canine, not your your expensive your canine partner. But anyhow, we we can be here all day long. But I'm glad the SWAT guys and I I got the impression this guy's assigned to SWAT. They 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 did a jam up job. The guy they didn't give the guy the opportunity to to take that stab on that canine. Wow. Um, um, I, I want to get this other one in real quick here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, we've got this other one with a video component. Uh, back on Rumble. This is Butter. Body cam video shows a, a, a heroic effort by Dallas officer and canine partner in a shooting. So yeah, they released this body cam video on Monday, and it's the moment an officer and his canine partner were injured in a gun battle late last month that left another man dead. And, you know, I, I heard the dog yelling. I did not know until I read the article that the dog was actually shot. But 945 at night, April 27th, Dallas cops dispatched to a, to a family violence call. So we got a domestic violence thing. Uh, and while they're there, 20-year-old Brian Casillas, he shot two relatives after being confronted about loud music and uh, though injured. Family members, they were able to lock themselves in the room. They called 911. After police arrived, uh, they were hospitalized and treated for their injuries, yada, yada. Uh, so our bad guy, he's left in the home. Dallas cops get there. They search. They use a helicopter, ground teams, including Sergeant Corporal Scott J and his canine partner, uh, I guess, Elgore. So 911 came over. The, anyhow, I, I got to run this down because we got less than a minute. But anyhow, the canine goes to the bad guy. And ends up getting shot. I think it exits out the canine shoulder, whatever, and yeah. and the officer gets injured too. But uh, David, what a wild yeah, video! Shot too. Listen, we talked about this before, and the only problem I have with this is the, is the canine had no backup. Uh, me and my boy Frank uh, uh, Sloop from uh, Pino, Pinal County, we talked about this. You go on a canine track with a guy that's armed. You have to have another guy on your shoulder with a rifle or with a firearm in hand. That canine went around a corner. 
engage the bad guy. The bad guy shoots the dog. You hear the dog screaming. Then he engages the cop, shoots the cop. Now the cop, the canine cop, God bless him. He, I, I heard in his voice, he just growled and got into the fight. And he started putting rounds on target and killed that guy. And that's a beautiful thing. But my God, you, and then he sat there and yelled for I don't know how many minutes saying, I'm here, I'm here, help me, help me. Guys, you got to have backup on a canine track. Thanks, Corporal. Excellent, excellent commentary. Spot on. Um, and MVS, thanks for the support. Really, uh, really appreciate the support, MVS. Hey, uh, guys, at this point of the show, uh, like to talk about, you know, the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org. You know, Randy Sutton couldn't be on the show today, uh, but, you know, the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org, you know, they are worthy of your support. I suggest that you uh, check them out. They support cops that are suffering from PTSDs. Uh, maybe their agency doesn't offer a medical retirement in, their ro- in the world of hurt. Maybe you want to volunteer and you suffer from PTSD and got the help that you needed. You want to, you want to help. And they also got a cool store with cool gear, uh, kind of like we do at leoroundtable.com. And also want to give a shout out to our sponsors. You know, we have Motion DSP, GallsGunLearn.com, on Medicare.Live. We're fueled by Bang Energy. So we appreciate our sponsors. Please support them because they support us and you, the Leos. And also Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media, a huge opportunity. Check them out, redvoicemedia.com, guys. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week.